Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most rain-drenched city this side of Portland, Oregon. In studio today, we have Joel Warner of Westward fame, our friend and often host uh, Josh Johnson, and local cartoonist and illustrator Noah Van Skyver. Uh, today is the superhero comic payout edition. We're going to be talking about real-life superheroes, uh, the comic scene in Denver as personified by our guest Noah, and everyone seems to be getting cash settlements from the Denver Police Department because of their abuses. What would you do with the money in terms of paying it back to the city of Denver? Um, I am John Dicker, your sometimes host. Let's get to the first topic, which is uh, cartoons and comics. Uh, if you're not familiar, Noah Van Skyver does the four questions strip in Westward, which is in the music section, and it's uh, a brief kind of snippet of quest- literally four questions with local bands. Um, but he also does a comic called Blamo, and uh, also illustrates for a, a bunch Every, of yeah, a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm also working on a graphic novel about Abraham Lincoln's depression. Really? Yeah, no, I really am. Now, that's before his presidency, right? Yeah, this is. Uh, it takes place 1837 to 1842. Those are the years. How did you? How did you decide on that topic? Uh, I was just doing research on. Uh, it, it's a long story. It happened a couple of years ago. I've been working on it for a couple of years, and I was just doing research on something, and I somehow started getting into Abe Lincoln's depression, and then I decided I was going to turn that into a, a comic. Since if there's like any kind of like books about Abe Lincoln, it's like Lincoln in the Civil War and all that kind of stuff, you know? And so, I was like, I'm just what? going to pay attention to this part of his life. Why was he, why was he depressed? Was he, was it He's just was chemical? Yeah, chemical. Huh. What did they refer to it? Like, what euphemism did they call it? He called it the hypo. I have the hypo. So that's what my book is actually called, the hypo. That's actually a good name. Yeah. I like that. The hypo. Yep. That's I'm feeling like I have the hypo today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'll be done and. uh, I'm going to be done by February this year. I'll be done drawing it. Sounds awesome. It is going to be awesome. It's my first big project. So that's what I'm doing when I'm not drawing four questions or blamo. Is there lots of pictures of him just lying around in bed like Brian Wilson? Yeah. he uh, <laughs> Actually, yeah, there is a lot of that stuff. And then uh, I found an old uh, book called like uh, Remedies for the Diseases of the Mind. It was published in 1830. And so I used a lot of the parts from that book. I just re- you know, I drew it out. I illustrated it. So. That sounds great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us tell us a little bit about the four question strip because you've been doing that for four years now. Yeah, I've been doing it for a while now. What what are what are some of your favorite you know strips that you've done or inter- interesting people to interview mm. or the challenges of doing it? I don't know. It's the challenges of doing it are trying to get people in bands who are like famously you know most of them are just like slackers. Mm-hmm. And waiting for them to get back to you to answer like literally four questions. That's all you have to do. Just give me some answers, and and waiting for people to write me back sometimes gets pretty tough. And so that's the biggest. That's the hardest thing about it. Overall, do they seem to enjoy doing it when they actually get around to it? Yeah, most of them. And then sometimes they get mad about the way I drew them or something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> really? They're really. Yeah, oh yeah. Who's gotten mad about you drawing? People it? say like you drew me too fat or you know. <laughs> I look like uh, somebody said. Uh, I look like uh, I don't know, Mr. Burns or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the funniest response you've ever gotten from a band to one of your cartoons? I, I, I can't, if you can say. Some, I can't remember what band it was. Somebody told me they were like, I asked them, like, what are you really afraid of? And they, somebody said, like, black people. And I was like, jeez. <laughs> oh, <man. Yeah. laughs> I guess that band, uh, Fourth Year Freshman or something. Were they from Parker? Little Tom? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. 
Somebody's sensor didn't go off that day. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> now, how did you come up with this idea? Well, uh, if you remember, if you recall, the person who was doing it before me, his name was Galen Shu, and he did a comic called Earplugs. And um, uh, I had done some comic for them. I pitched, like, hey, I'll go out to shows and, like, draw the people waiting in the line to get in the show. It'll be funny. And they're like, yeah, all right. So they let me do two of those, and then they never talked to me again. <laughs> so, then, <laughs> so then, like, a year later, I... I uh, was doing this on my own just for whatever, just to try and talk to bands. And I had interviewed a band, and then I pitched to Patty, like, hey, I want to do this. for Because by that time, Galen had quit, and they, the space was empty. And uh, I was like, I'll do this every week. And they were like, I don't know. We had all these cartoonists start here, and they do this for a year, and then they go away and all this stuff, you know. It's like, no, I swear to God, I'll stay around forever. Just <laughs> let me do this. So they're, all right, so they gave me a chance, and then, I don't know, I've been doing it since then. Really do you cool. talk to yeah. other Denver comics? Is there a scene here? There is, but I'm I'm mostly a loner. There's a, a group that meets up on um, at Leela's on 15th Avenue. Okay, is it 15th Street? 15th Street, you know, Leela's Cafe. It's like 24 hours every Tuesday night. They do like a drink yeah, and draw. 15th. 15th Street. Yeah, a drink and draw. Yeah, they all get together and drink and draw and, and talk about how cool it is to be a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, so I don't I don't really go to those. I go every once in a while I go down there to say hi to somebody, but mostly it's like uh, the superhero stuff or like manga or you know, which isn't really I don't know. Is that your? Do you like that stuff, John? No, <laughs> John loves manga. Yeah, he loves. I can imagine you comics. watch like. Uh, Anime ever? You watch <laughs> Ghost, never, Ghost in a Shell? That kind of never. I, I I did get I, Voltron. John yeah. likes Voltron. I, my grandparents <laughs> got the Daily News in New York and would give me every like, couple of weeks when I'd see them, they'd give me a plastic CVS bag yeah. full of strips. CVS. It's full of Daily News regular weekly strips. So family I, Circle. So <laughs> yeah. I would read the Family Circus just to just to hate it, um, or just to just to just to see if they tried anything different. But I would always read the Far Side. And, and, yeah, that's and, good. and peanuts. Um, I read I read the Charles Schultz biography, so I guess I like daily comic strips. Even you still like from daily my comic no, 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 no. Yeah, no. I haven't read them in a while. I haven't like picked up the. Well, I don't really read the Denver Post, so I don't know. I mean, I haven't picked up their comic section in a while. But yeah. I just think with with comic book comic like superhero co- hero comic books, you either get into them as a little kid and get pretty enraptured, yeah, and it lasts for a lifetime, or you just don't get it. And I guess I would be in the I don't I don't get it camp. You don't read superhero stuff? No. Oh, I thought you did. No, I, I like graphic novels. Yeah, a lot. But like what? Like what? What do you? Oh, like well, the Mouse, right? Um, yeah. Persepolis. Yeah. Um, Fun Home. Uh-huh. Mouse and Bechdel was amazing. You just recommended Palestine to me by Joe Sacco. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah. And yeah, footnotes on Gaza. Is yeah, that, is, I have that. That's a great book, man. Um, the other one that oh, was a. Black Hole. Yeah, it's too creepy for me. I don't like that. That, that one's really. Creepy. I like. <laughs> yeah. I like that enough uh, yeah. a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in the form and what people are doing with it. And I think uh-huh. when it's at its best, it really forces. I, I generally hate novels with endless description, especially of nature of the physical environment. I just find that bores me into a yeah. coma. And I, I like with graphic novels, it forces. Uh, the better writers, because not as you, as you know, not all cartoonists yeah. are good, can write. And well, that's the result, thing, they're, man. They're a cartoonist working. is somebody who who can't write well and can't draw well. 
But if they put it together, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> they can do something. I don't know. But they don't have to describe a tree or a street. Yeah, they can draw it. Hopefully, yeah. Sometimes they can. Like if anyone hasn't <laughs> read, if anyone hasn't read Alison Bechdel's Fun Home, that's is, yeah, it was a beautiful. memoir. It's it's amazing. But she's a, she's a really good writer, uh-huh. and the two and and a great illustrator, and they totally complement each other. Yeah. Um. But anyway, just just check that out if you haven't if you haven't read it yet. But I, I do love the form. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I kind of assumed that you were a comic book guy too. Yeah, I thought you were. What? I don't know. I just thought you were a comic book guy. Self-proclaimed thing. Self-proclaimed geek, right? Yeah, but there's there's plenty there's of different brands of genres of geeks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, true. that's a topic for another. another um, one. one one cool thing that I read about you know is that you come from like basically a comic comic family, right? Right. Your yeah. brother works for DC now. Yeah, he did, well, he's been doing that for a long time. He's pretty famous in the superhero comic world, so. So, so what is it like? How you know you guys? At least you know. At least it seems to me you guys are the the two two opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah, for absolutely. the comic world. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like. So, what do you guys talk about? Like, how do you guys compare what you do? Uh, well, I mean, I think he he reads alternative comics. Um, I don't read superhero comics, but I'll look at his. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we get along okay, <laughs> and we'll do like signings together. Like, I went to Australia with him. A couple months ago, and that was pretty fun. But for the most part, you know, doing like superhero conventions are pretty miserable for someone like me. You know? <laughs> Why? Why don't you like them? Because uh, people that read superhero comics, you know, the comics that I do have some kind of like, you know, they have some kind of like, they're based in reality, you know? Mm-hmm. They're like real life stories or something. And uh, people that read superhero comics don't want that. They want to escape that. <laughs> they, you know, reality has like failed them. And so, <laughs> so they want some kind of escape from that. And then, you know, Maybe they'll pick up my comic because they like my brother a whole lot or something, and they're like, oh, this is kind of funny. Look at this, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't have too many. Uh, I don't uh, do very well at those kinds of things. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, you, do you want to move on to the second? Unless well, well, another thing I want to you know, I want to throw out to you, let's say, let's say someone who doesn't know the Denver comic scene wants to kind of get a feel for what it's like, who's involved, yeah. the strongest voices, uh, what would you recommend? Like who and uh, one of my favorites out here is this guy named Sam Spina. He's a diary cartoonist, and he has a website called uh, SpinaDoodles.com. And he just draws what he does every day in like a little like four-panel comic and puts it on his website. I like him a lot. Uh, there's a couple other guys, but nobody's really you know nobody's really producing a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm sure if if they heard this, they'd hang me for this. But like you know, you just don't hear. But if you're reading about comics, you know, you're reading some comic website. Nobody's talking about Denver. You know. People just aren't producing enough stuff. They're just drawing manga in their sketchbooks or something, you know. Has Denver like, ever had a comic scene in the past? Has it always been? It's been there's a couple people. There, there used to be John Porcelino used to live here. There's King Cat Comics. He's a, a legend in the comic scene. Um, you know, older, the John Severin's here, the old EC artist. Um, I don't know. We're starting a convention here. It's going to be that, you know, there was that comic, the Denver Comic Fest that happens every year. And that's getting bigger and bigger, and they're starting to fly people out and stuff. So, what is it with like? I mean, I know this is a whole other topic, but I feel like that you've heard the expression. You know, like someone said it about Ireland. Like, fifteen uh, percent of the, the the population reads poetry, and thirty percent writes it. Yeah, um, I feel like that with with, with, <laughs> with comics. There, there are more comic book every tiny town. Like Albuquerque yeah, 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 has yeah. a comic book. No, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Every like. How do they sustain themselves? I don't know. It's like one five dollar bill that's being passed around. You know, <laughs> that's that's how it's done. I mean, it's like mostly it's it's like poetry in that you know, like it's like almost almost like mostly comic artists reading comics. You know, and, gotcha. And 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Denver is like a, got an okay scene going on. I'm just not. I'm just. I don't have my finger on its pulse too much. Really, I'm just more of a loner. Imagine there's a lot of people doing that because it's yeah. such a solitary activity. It is. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of people that do it but don't feel the need to congregate. Yeah, well, you know, but if you want to... Oh, yeah, sure. But if you want to meet some comic artists, just, like I said, go down to Leela's on Tuesday night. Or what time? You know, on 7 o'clock. And they're all there. There's a ton of people there. A lot of Remcad art students and that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the topic of real-life superheroes, which is something, Joel, you wrote a, a big feature story about that in Westward. Is it really a trend? It seemed like it was... It was a trend created by the media, like like we wanted a new trend. By you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am definitely, I am definitely you are the media. in part responsible for <laughs> perpetrating this crime. It started when I read, there's a story in Rolling Stone, I think it was about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, about this superhero in Florida, um, who I don't, I don't remember the guy's name, it was a hilarious Rolling Stone story about this guy who had been fighting crime in Florida for years, and then that that kind of piqued my interest, so I poked around and saw that the that news station around the country had done their fun little fluffy stories about these crime fighters, regular you know regular folks who put on these superhero outfits and supposedly fought crime, quote unquote. So I said, okay, I have to find someone doing this in Denver because I really want to write a story about one of these guys in Denver, even if it's not a trend. I wanted to make it a trend, of course. Yeah. Um, and it didn't take that long because unlike real superheroes, uh, make um, or like comic book superheroes rather, real life superheroes uh, put all their information out on web forums. So it didn't take that long to find this one guy, uh, the Wall Creeper. So I met with this guy named the Wall Creeper, and he never gave me his name. I never asked his name, of course, because I've read my comic books and I know how these things go, yeah. so I never actually did ask his name. Um, story, as should not be too surprising, ended up being more depressing than inspiring about. Is this kind of young kid who had a real tough time growing up and had clearly fallen into... Um, you know, this concept of fighting crime as his escape for this stuff. And he never actually patrolled in Denver. He patrolled um, in, like, in like the metro area suburb that he was. And I convinced him one night to go walk up and down Colfax with me oh, as the story. And kind of the sad thing was, like, literally halfway down Colfax, the guy steps out from the shadows in a corner. He's like, hey, you guys, you guys, you guys want to buy something? And the wall group just, just keeps walking. Uh, <laughs> karate chopping. chop him or anything? Yeah, he was like, wait, is that guy trying to sell us drugs? I was like, yes. <laughs> and what are you going to do about it, Mr. Yeah, Cooper? exactly. Yes. Let's go back. You know, uh, I'm really having a little bit, uh, quite a bit of trouble getting my head around this. So, well, first of all, the wall creeper is patrolling, but the real superheroes sort of respond to a crime. They're not out, like, walking around waiting for something to happen. Like, their senses somehow yeah. or something, they know when crime is. Now, what... <laughs> is he really doing to fight crime? I mean, is it like vigilante justice? Does he do citizen's arrest? And, and, and if you come up on an actual criminal in a costume, I mean, <laughs> do they feel threatened? You know, because he doesn't have the super powers that super It's supposed to be more have. like Batman yeah. where the concept of this person out there, this person who will be watching you day or night, the person who will stop the clock from reaching midnight. So it's right? like a That's fascist regime. <laughs> well, fine if you want to put it that way. <laughs> he's, he's, he's fighting crime with fear. Did he have a costume? Or what, this kid? Yes, he didn't wear it when we patrolled that full <laughs> He was in his he was in his other costume, which is his normal clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, his yeah. McDonald's uniform. Yeah, yeah. So this guy was basically an internet masturbator. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 
I'm not, uh, you know, he's a nice kid. I felt I have a bad for him. A nice you internet. Can say that. A you nice say, internet. He's a that. nice internet masturbator. But the uh, the funniest part of the whole thing is that the time I was doing the story, there ended up being this huge, like civil, like web-based civil war between different real-life superheroes uh, who are all in the same like web form. I forget what the web form was called, yeah. but like the breakup of the Justice League. Yeah. Essentially, where like the founder, I think this guy named Tothian, had stepped down, and they had a new president, and uh, <laughs> and like basically, I forget what his name was, but his theme was all about like the ones and zeros of of computers. So it was like digital Doctor- binary, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Doctor Binary, and he put this video out. He's from Seattle. Put the video out as soon as he became like president about like announcing that this was like a new age for the real life superheroes, and we're going to come out there. And we're going to help with charities and all this, you know, go and feed the homeless. And, like, half the superheroes are like, yeah, that's a really good thing for us real-life superheroes to do. Yeah. Other half of the real-life superheroes are like, fuck no. We should be going and busting skulls. We are, they don't need us and our super, superhero abilities to go feed homeless. We, we have to be, like, you know, fighting crime, right? Stop, stopping the real-life supervillains. And well, so are they, what, what, is the, what is the superhero response to the, the banking crisis and <laughs> all, the, all the corporate criminals? That, that's a, the ones who are really doing the, trying the most damage yeah, yeah. to this country. Uh, I, I'd, that would be a good, uh, a good meme. Uh, Do any of the real-life superheroes think they have a superpower? Like, but you can tell it's just all in their head. There are a few who believe yeah. that they have superpowers like I'm, I'm putting a thought in your head right now yeah. to me uh-huh. what's almost more depressing than the real life superheroes is like how quickly thanks to people like me who are so desperate to write about these guys yeah, yeah, yeah. it quickly just like blossomed into this like big mainstream meme and there's already been like the Hollywood movies what's it called like, like Sucker Punch and there was Kick-Ass yeah Kick-Ass yeah. and Super they've already had the big movies uh-huh. and that was kind of over it's all yeah it's out. over before it started yeah because yeah. Cause, you know they didn't make a really good movie about these guys. There's no really good commentary about yeah. it. So now people don't know what to do about it other than write stupid stories like I did. <laughs> so, I, I mean, ironically, the, the trend is, you know, I think a lot of people during the start of the recession thought that street crime was going to be making a huge comeback. And strangely enough, I don't, I don't think it has, with I mean, the exception of a few cities that were already, you know, had a lot of crime. But generally speaking, like even New York, it's not spiked or anything. No, Except in scrap metal. <laughs> yes, scrap, scrap metal. metal trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's gone up. So, um, if we get a superhero to stop people uh, taking copper, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it all has to do with it. All has to do with the male psyche and kind of the culture and the economy making men feel useless. And then this hero myth I, I, and people. You know, it, not everyone can be a firefighter. The, you know, those jobs are hard to get. Uh, there yeah. are pro- firefighters. Sometimes the police. You know, there's various jobs where you actually do get to be a hero uh and the rest of us you know don't and i think some men have that need to be a hero which i'm not and it's so much easier these days because you'll have these forums where people like why of course it's okay for you to dress up as a superhero i do it all the time (laughs) go you and they're now like the online stores where these folks will like design you your own superhero costume so it's so much easier now to let that inner freak out than it was they, any time in the past. They should get into professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> should just let somebody toss them around and play out the drama. I like the idea of these guys. Fort. I mean, why not? I mean, I kind of like the idea of these, like, you know, these nobodies wanting to go patrol. I mean, as long as no one gets killed, which might happen, but up until that point, you know, 
Sure. You know, there's a lot of worse things these kind of antisocial loners could be doing. That's true. Than doing this. That's true. Now, Noah, you mentioned something before we started taping that puts all these other real life superheroes (laughs) to ridiculous shame. And then I kind of wanted to devote the entire podcast to it. Kind of a super villain. Yes. Yeah. The Denver Spider Man. Who is the Denver Spider Man? Guy named Theodore Edward Conies. Yeah. Um,. Uh, what year did that happen? Was it in the 40s? It happened in... It was like 1941. Yeah. Uh, this guy, he, you know, um, he went to this house here in Denver. So uh-huh. what So what happened? So uh, he had a. He was a homeless guy, basically, and he was... Uh, I think I'm right here. <laughs> he was friends with this guy who uh, I think was pretty well off, and he was asking for a handout from the guy, and the guy said no. So he broke into the dude's house... And went and uh, started staying in his crawl space up in the, the roof there. And then uh, I think he was caught by the old man one time. So he, he killed the old man and then crawled back up into the ceiling. And then he, the old man's wife was still living in the home while he while Theodore was up in the ceiling the whole time. And she'd hear noises and she just thought that it was haunted. And the neighbors all thought the, ho- the house was haunted and everything. And uh, I think, how did the cops... Catch him. It says that basically that like one, um, I guess Somebody police. You know, I guess eventually the wife left and the police conti- uh, started to make like ru- routine checks on it because yeah. it was vacant. There's hearing noises, and then one of them one day in 1942 heard a lock click on the second floor. So that <laughs> so they ran upstairs and saw these guys' legs like <laughs> popping into like a trap door. Yeah. So they pulled him down. Yeah. So he's yeah. really super skinny, right? Mm. Yeah. Now, so local newspapers dubbed him. The Denver Spider-Man. Yep. Now, this was 1942. Yeah. When did Spider-Man Spider-Man come That's, about? I think it was in the 60s, wasn't it? So, this was before Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, sure. Was Spider-Man named after this dude or something? I don't think so. <laughs> but it's crazy. Spider-Man yeah. didn't live in a, an attic. No, I think it's, <laughs> a, it's a pretty obscure... The attic space, too, Touché, was, Josh. Touché. <laughs> the attic space was really small, too, right? It was like... Uh, oh, it's a... It doesn't even say just like a cubby hole. He lived yeah. in a cubby hole. Yeah, it's like really small. And I think he actually stole a radio or something. He was like sitting up there. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like like a dark masturbator. Like he was the original yeah. masturbating real life superhero. <laughs> <laughs> the original wall creeper. <laughs> yeah, totally. Wow, that's yeah. just that's just the greatest real life superhero yeah. story of all time. And I I did that. I turned that uh, story into a comic a couple of years ago. And I actually found the house. I went down to the house and was like taking photos of it and stuff. Do you remember where the house was? Uh. Uh, it's in the Highlands. I don't remember the exact address. Thirty-three, thirty-five West Moncrief yep. Place. Yeah, I'm gonna go check that out. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. Knock on the door, ask if you can go in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ask if there's any rooms available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a small room. I don't need a whole lot. I wonder if the person living there knows the history of that house. Yeah. You know, how cool is that? You would have to, I would think. I don't know. No, oh, man. You, I think really? There's no disclosure laws. There's not, no disclosure not, laws. Especially about Spider-Man. There's no, yeah. there's no Spider-Man disclosure laws at all. I just always state. Google the address I live at to see for things like that. Like meth houses or Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know meth house is just interesting history. It's a good call. Yeah, like do you think Which anybody was murdered here in this house any time in history? Not since last actually, week. Actually, yeah. there was. No, <laughs> this, this story that you know, we're, actually, we're actually taping in my house in, yeah. in Northwest Denver, too, it actually, this was the cat lady's house. In the neighborhood, they had like a whole bunch of cats, oh, and dogs, yeah. and uh, the reason they had to put brand new floors in because I guess like, like like she was like some type of like hoarder, uh-huh. so like the floors had rotted away. There was oh, fire man. ones upstairs. They had to, like throw trash out the window. What? <laughs> and she had so many dogs. Supposedly the dogs were like inbreeding, so they had like mutated faces. Ew. This is a, yeah, yeah. 
And when we were doing our sprinkler, uh, sprinkler system in the backyard, like, I found, like, little, like, dog bones and stuff. Ugh. So there's all sorts of things buried back there. So you, there you go. Do you think it's haunted here, though? You no, no. We, ha- we haven't seen any ghosts or mutated dogs, which is nice. Yeah. So I wouldn't like that. That'd be surprising, right? Yeah. Under the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, so should we move on to our last thrilling topic? Yeah, our last topic is uh, just... A uh, little bit of intellectual masturbation. Uh, civic minded. A lot of masturbation on this show. Yeah. Today, yeah. By the way. Civic minded intellectual masturbation, which is just increasing uh, trend. I don't know if you want to call it that. Of <laughs> the city of Denver paying out uh, pretty big settlements for victims of police brutality. Here, the, um, there's the De Herrera case. There was the one you covered, uh, Alex Landau. Yeah, who got 178,000? About that, yeah. That, which you said was the largest in, this, in the city's history. One of them. History. It's up there. Um, so the real question is, we're not going to... I mean, we've talked about the the kind of police problem we have in the city before, but we're going to talk about what would you do with your payout money for the city of Denver? Um, though now that I realize that... you know, Medical bills. <laughs> you pay your medical bills? Yeah, I mean, I imagine if you... Well, fine. Let's say... Let's say, the cops, let's say Let's say they yeah. really beat you up. So let's say you get five hundred thousand dollars. Okay? okay, even that. Let's just say that. I, I would. The one thing I'm going to crib this idea. And I'll give it credit where I saw it was fifty two eighty had this idea of just noting certain how certain pedestrian bridges have really helped the city. Um, what's the one that Sixteenth uh, Street? Yeah. Uh, the, but there's another. There's another one up north. Uh, what the whatever like I twenty five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, what, like the Highland Pedestrian Bridge? Yeah, yeah. But just, you know, the one place, not that anyone really needs, not that there's struggling proletarians of Cherry Creek, but that First Avenue and University um, intersection is just a nightmare. And just having a pedestrian bridge there connecting the mall to the rest of Cherry Creek. That would make a lot of sense because, like, you know, especially since there's a lot of residents of Cherry Creek who've been the victims of police violence here in the city. (laughs) So... That would so, you know, yeah. would bring a full circle there, John. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah I'm always uh, looking out for the little guy. <laughs> but I, I'm sure there's other examples of, of you know busy intersections in the city that could use a pedestrian footbridge and that would help businesses just making the city more walkable. Uh, I think that would be an awesome idea. Uh, but I, don't, I realize five hundred thousand dollars on a construction project like that is is uh, if you invest it wisely. Yeah, <laughs> or you got a matching grant from someone. Yes, that yeah. would that would be what I like. To, the other thing I would like to advocate for is return to normal hours for the Denver Public Library. They got their hours cut. I want to say in like '04, and it's never gone. You know, oh, it's you, getting worse. Yeah, it's getting worse. They're shutting down whole. So I, I I'd, I'd love to see their hours. It's benevolent. You are you. You've benevolently used your money. You could be a real life superhero. I, I think I would. I would need to get sh- you know killed to get enough money to okay. to do these things. Well, so. we can look into that. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Noah, what do you want to do with your I wish uh, blood I, money? If I had a lot, a lot of money, maybe you guys could help me out. We could uh, bring streetcars back to Colfax. That's what I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked. We've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah so well, I wish that that would happen, man. I yeah. wish we bring streetcars back. I love them. That'd be good. Yeah, I'd, uh, I think it would benefit all to improve my apartment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what you do. So I would start. I would start there, and then I think there would be enough left over to um, have Wi-Fi on on all the public transit, which I think would encourage the use of public transit and offer convenience. Depends what, like, not the number fifteen bus though, right? Right. You don't yeah. want, you don't yeah. want to, <laughs> people are like, oh, you got a computer, and they take it from you. Right. 
seem my brilliant idea is wherever that this horrible police incident took place, no matter if they just gave me like a rope burn or something, like where, like wherever this occurred, what I would do, I would take my money and I would build a memorial to me, like in memory <laughs> of Joel Warner. <laughs> yeah, and just you know, don't say what happened, yeah, just yeah. say memory of Joel Warner, and then have a little biography uh, about was, me. Uh-huh. Um, and then have some statue that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. We gave it like wondering, maybe like a small boy, like riding a swan or something. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, even though I'm still alive, I just think that would really get people that would, you know, get people <laughs> talking about me and what happened. I think maybe we should make a sizable donation to the guardian angels, given our previous <laughs> the guardian <laughs> angels. Let's arm the angels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best idea. Arm the angels. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, on that note, let's go on to love and hate. This is the section where we give a love or a hate to something local or semi-local. Josh, why don't we start with you? Okay. Um, I love that Walgreens had a big representation at Pride Fest. Really? Yeah, I went to Pride Fest for two days, and they had a huge, and everybody had Walgreens stickers. And I just, I thought, it was the first Pride Fest I'd been to, um, and the diversity there was great. And it was a good time, and and I'm and I'm glad to see that it's it's perfectly fine for a big corporate entity like Walgreens to come out and. But uh, hasn't it been for quite some time now? It has, and they're definitely taking advantage of you know this niche market for sure. Well, every time I see like I see like the uh, Argonaut has the their pride colors. Yeah, out. everybody. Has and I just feel like they should write out. "Gay money accepted here." You know, <laughs> there is that cynical element to it. I know, I'm an that's, asshole. That's not above me. That's not below. But you know, yeah. doesn't escape me. But at, at the same time, that there's not as much of a backlash, and people don't have the fear of supporting. Right. Fest as yeah. it once was. I yeah, I saw that too. Thing. I saw a rainbow sticker that said Walgreens on it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You don't see like a Target sticker. It's like rainbow. Yeah. yeah something like that. <laughs> they had a huge stand. They were and it was and their whole stand was set up for health. Yeah. So you, people can get their blood pressure checked and all sorts of things. Nice. What do you got, Noah? What do I, what do I love or hate? Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Uh, I hate walking down the street and seeing dog shit on the sidewalk everywhere. <laughs> That's what I hate. I'm like, what the hell? Who put this dog shit everywhere? I think a dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like somebody. It's like it was in the grass, and somebody kicked it over into the street, and then stepped all over it and dragged, you know, dragged it around. We need a pooper scooper superhero. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. Where are the guardian angels? <laughs> yeah. That's what they should be doing. Like, somebody give that everyday superhero a broom. Yeah. <laughs> Pick your dog shit up. If you want one of those disgusting animals, you should be able to touch its disgusting shit. <laughs> I hate dogs. Awful. <laughs> they'd, they'd eat you in any chance. <laughs> you know? Have you gotten eaten by a dog before? Not yet. You know? But you have to be ready. Maybe later on. Today, That's true. This, yeah. Might yeah. Be somebody walking their dog and the dog gets free on the leash. <laughs> you um, could eat you. On the They're sure. disgusting animals. Okay. Joel, what do you got? Okay. <laughs> I have a love, like usual. I'm going to love on Pinata Loca, which is a pinata store down on Federal. It's like 23rd and Federal. It's uh, 2301, uh, 2301 West, uh, Federal Boulevard for my son's fourth birthday this weekend, his birthday party. We got him a pinata because that's what he wanted. And for like 20 bucks, you get this like three foot high, like multicolored bull pinata or whatever pinata. They have, bull, they have pinatas of like luchadores and like houses and football players, all this stuff. And I don't know who makes these things, but they should be like... Like industrial, like engineers, because these things just using like old newspapers, it's like chicken and, like, wire inside. I don't know, no, no, it wasn't <laughs> chicken wire. It was just newspaper, but it was made so well, 
Like to fill it up, I had to stab it with a knife, like to fill it up with like the candy, and it was hard to cut open this thing. It really took us a good forty-five minutes, including the adults, to bust this motherfucker open. It was crazy, very impressive. Strong well, as bull, yeah, strong as bull, and you know clearly that we got our twenty bucks worth with this pinata. So my idea is someone should have a big like party for like folks like us who can now legally drink and have a whole bunch of big pinatas and fill them. With like the like hotel room like mini bar bottles, right? It would just be, and don't bring them out until like midnight. So everyone's nice and sloshed already. It would just be like just chaos and destruction with pinatas. And we get them from Pinata Loca, which I love. We'd have to put knives and bats or something. Yeah. It sounds like clearly <laughs> somebody, <laughs> clearly somebody would mix. light the pinatas on fire. Clearly that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my love. All right, I'm actually loving for once. Um, full disclosure: this this person I'm loving on is a, is a client of our, of Geeks Who Drink, but I don't care. Uh, bike, Show alert! And I'm I'm late. I'm, yeah, I'm late to the game on this. But uh, Biker Gyms, everyone knows Denver Institution. They have a new location on Larimer, um, but they I did not know, and I think this is new with their retail location. They have uh, a vegan dog, and it is holy shit. It continues this trend of the best vegetarian food you're going to find in Denver. And I would say probably true in other cities is that non-vegetarian restaurants. Uh, but their dog is so friggin' good. I've been, I've been there like five times in a week. And there's all these different toppings you can get. It's, I mean, it's worth paying between you know, $6.50 and $9 for a, for a hot dog. Yes, it is actually worth it. That's a lot um, of hot dog. Get the Votlander. That just get that one. That that is my recommendation. Um, it, it's they have like pretty, rattlesnake and like reindeer too. Yeah, they have crazy stuff. Like I told the guy, I was like, "You made such a good vegan dog. You could be slaughtering pigs and cows back there. I wouldn't give a shit. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's that good." Um, so it, it's just interesting that these so-called you know, vegetarian places that I think are largely overhyped in the city always get bested by people who I think just concentrate on making good food. Um, anyway, that is that is my little love, and that's all the loving we have time for here on the diatribe. We will see you on the web at denverdiatribe.com at Denver Diatribe on Twitter. Thank you to Noah, Josh, and Joel. I'm John Dicker. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>